Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is delighted to sponsor this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Rappers' Angela Luzio is known for its total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body and won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance and significant to dance teachers this time of year. Body Wrappers performance wear remix for competition and recitals consists of various components one can mix and match to create a unique costume you won't see anywhere else. You may view all the products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Body Wrappers performance wear remix items, go to your favorite local dance retailer shop or online store to view and buy the entire collection of tyler peck designs go to dancewearcorner.com this episode is sponsored by the veil dance festival i'm rebecca king ferraro and i'm michael breeden and you're listening to conversations on dance This week, we are diving back into our vault from our time at the Vail Dance Festival this past summer for another episode with a festival favorite. Today, we talk with American Ballet Theater soloist Calvin Royal III. Calvin started his formal ballet training at the age of 14 in St. Petersburg, Florida. In April of 2006, he was a finalist at the Youth America Grand Prix Scholarship Competition in New York City and joined ABT's Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis School a few months later. He joined ABT2, now ABT Studio Company, in 2007 and joined the main company in 2010. Royal was a 2014 winner of a grant from the Leonore Annenberg Fellowship Fund. He was promoted to soloist this past summer. We talk with Calvin about how he got his start in ballet, what the Fellowship Fund grant has afforded him, and what he looks forward to as a new soloist. Calvin, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule here in Vail to come meet with us. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure to have you on. Absolutely. It's great to chat with you today. 
Um, so we wanted to start a little bit from the beginning of your training. So you uh, had what is considered a late start um, in your dance training. How did you first become exposed to ballet and what were some of the challenges associated with overcoming that late start? Well, I, yeah, I auditioned for my high school performing arts. Um, I was in the middle school for performing arts and I was studying music. I was a pianist then. Um, and so when it came time to audition for the high school, I auditioned for all the programs. Mm. And dance was one of the only ones that I actually got accepted to, which yeah. was pretty cool, um, given that I had not taken ballet before. Um, I remember the audition being... You know, I didn't know the vocabulary for the steps and I was just kind of looking around, you know, following along. Wow. And then I get into the dance program. Um, <laughs> but I have been exposed to dance prior to ballet. I did West African dancing and jazz and hip hop in a local community project that we would do every year. So, yeah, freshman year, ballet, two hands on the bar. It was my first wow. uh, introduction to, to ballet and it was really, really tough physically. Um, my body just wasn't ready for all that. <laughs> <laughs> so then how many years later till you were in a company? Um, I, gosh, I was at the high school performing arts to my junior year mm -hmm. and then I competed in the Youth America Grand Prix and that's what sort of Wow. put me out there to be spotted by the principals from the JKO school at ABT. Mm -hmm. And from there, I, I came to study my senior year at the school at ABT. That's incredible. And sort of just worked my way. Everything happened really fast. Wow. Um, but yeah. So did you sort of always have your eye on American Ballet Theater or was that just the way things naturally? Um, to be shifted? honest with you, I remember seeing a lot of those DVDs of like the dream or... Mm -hmm born to be wild with all the men of abt and um you know i'd always saw the company from those uh videos but i never back then when i first started dancing it wasn't like this is the place that i definitely know i'm gonna be one day it, it just sort of all weirdly connected and 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 here i am <laughs> wow do you feel like um that obvious ability that you had kind of to copy what people were doing and put it in your body and so quickly become a classically trained dancer. Do you feel like that helps you now in your career, learning new choreography oh, and that sort of thing? For sure. Yeah. Um, I like thinking back to how I used to learn, I'm a visual learner. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll see a phrase of movement and I can pick up the phrase really quickly. Um, so I think that definitely lended to even now when we're working with choreographers, uh, picking up, choreography pretty easily that's like the trick if you can do that i feel like you're set as I, a professional dancer <laughs> i never knew that that would be so helpful Important, but yeah. yeah it totally has helped me yeah a lot. <laughs> even when we were talking to james whiteside and tyler peck yesterday mm -hmm. they said the same thing because they had such an extensive background in other dance disciplines and mm -hmm. they were just like it is such a you know a useful tool to mm -hmm. you know that you'll never um, not need that people can see that you can move in a different way mm -hmm. and um, it's something you can utilize and you know for us people that only really did ballet yeah exactly. it's not it's something you know it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks right mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> but that versatility is so important with that other those other dance forms right yeah. that you've trained in as well also i'm sure that you know that means you had a, a knack for coordination anyway that you were, yeah you still know how to move your body yeah it makes me feel a little bit better about your late start <laughs> it wasn't like you just came in one right. day and was like oh i can do all this you know stuff <laughs> no it was totally the opposite of that for me i think uh 
a lot of those skills that I have from doing West African and hip hop and jazz Mm -hmm. sort of, I realized how helpful those could be later on when learning choreography or when taking a classical role that I may be doing and adding a little bit of flavor to it or, you know, my own thing. So. Absolutely. Uh, So you were initially um, noticed for your study movement quality and used more in contemporary roles. Um, What were some of the first experiences you had in principal roles and how did you approach those tasks? I'm trying to think. Uh, With ABT, um, I was sort of plucked out of the corps de ballet uh, by Alexei Ratmansky. He... I don't know. It was when he first started working with the company that he was creating his Nutcracker and he was doing a bunch of small pieces. And that was the first time that, you know, anybody had ever taken me to do uh, something featured with the company. And the time, I think it was his, uh, it was a part of his Shostakovich trilogy that he was Mm -hmm. creating. Um, And uh, that was the first time that I'd I'd been sort of uh, not only taken out, but created on um based on sort of what my qualities and strengths were uh which was really cool because um i had just joined the company and and to have have that person that saw that so early on um and wanted to allow me to sort of have that freedom to be me and and um and dance in his works it was really cool that's such an important element of company life because I think sometimes it can really feel like only one person is making decisions mm-hmm. and it's only like that one eye and how they feel about you. But when people come in, like other choreographers like Alexi Ratmansky you're talking about and you know, either uh, even other people who are setting ballets, other repetitors, if they have an eye for you and can take you out and see something in you, that might not be something that your boss had seen yet Before, and then you were yeah. able, they were able to see. So it's really helpful to have that. It's, um, it's true and I feel like um, it opened my eyes a lot to uh, not only just being uh, featured, but the possibilities of what I could contribute to uh, new creations and things like that. Um, and it allowed me to be more open and allow myself to express more. So, yeah, yeah. that's great. So due to your immense promise, you received the Leonore Annenberg Fellowship fund a $50,000 grant aimed at helping young dancers fulfill their potential. Uh, how have you used these funds since? Well, <laughs> since uh, I, I think I received it in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I used, well, when I first received the fellowship, I was totally overwhelmed. I was like, nobody's ever given me this amount of money, number <laughs> one in my life. Yeah. And, um, and it was the first time that I kind of had the, the, the freedom to make a decision or decisions as to what I wanted to do to help, um, push my career forward. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had always thought about those moments where I was working one-on-one with teachers or past coaches and I had enough money where I said, you know what, I really want to be able to travel and work with private coaches at some of the world's leading um, classical companies. So I traveled to Royal Ballet. Um, I took class at the English National Ballet. I went to the Mariinsky for 10 days and worked with a private coach on all types of classical variations. Um, I went to Copenhagen and worked with Adam Luders mm-hmm. on uh, the Bournemouth style. Um, and it was just, that's 
where most of the money went to is traveling and mm-hmm. um, seeing performances of things that I probably wouldn't get a chance to see in New York and visiting museums. And um, it was amazing. It was really amazing and kind of eye-opening and liberating all at the same yeah. time because I was out there doing all these things and making all these things happen sort of on my own. Like I created the budget. I uh-huh. wanted to go to these places yeah. and make connections with new dancers and new directors and teachers and choreographers. So that was amazing. That is amazing. amazing. Is there one moment in particular from your travels um, using that money that you feel like really was like maybe an aha moment or something that really influences your dancing today? Uh, I would definitely say that my trips to, um, gosh, it's hard to pinpoint one, one trip specific. in particular mm-hmm. because, you know, the the precision and things that they work on it at the Paris Opera that I saw when I got to work there and take class there, uh, coupled with the acting techniques and things that I learned in Copenhagen at the Royal Danish Ballet um, and just the pure classicism at the Mariinsky. It's like everywhere lended me something that I could, I mean, I had journals of notes and videos of everything from my trips and I still go back now and just kind of take some of that stuff in and I may be preparing for a role and I even during this time I was working with an acting coach too um, on some roles that I was doing with ABT in the following season Um, but it's just there's so much information that I still have from this this experience and um, it's hard to just say that one gave me an aha moment because they all were just so important in in their own way gems so so even though obviously all those experiences were so valuable uh, and you draw from all of them, was there one where you just felt like, wow, this style fits me like a glove? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I can't pinpoint one in particular because out of everything that I took from each trip, I brought it back to ABT. Um, and at ABT, we do such a variety of different rep every season. Um, we do the classics, but also in the fall, we we have our contemporary season where we'll do Ashton, we'll do Ratmansky, we'll do um, Chris Wielden, we'll do so many different choreographers. So I think, um, yeah, it's hard to to say. I think this is so, this is an element of this podcast that I think is so fun is that I don't think that the audience ever considers that, that you, they're watching you dance. They're watching so much more than just class every day. They're watching such a thought process, so much research. You've traveled the world to really learn and define yourself and your craft. And I just think that's so great. And there is so much, such an intellectual side to dance and creating you know, your movement style, your quality, what you want to be as an artist. And I'm so cool to hear that story. I really love that. Thank you. (laughs) So um, something you mentioned earlier that I didn't know, and I think is so interesting. So you play piano when you were younger. I did. How does that, um, your musical education, how how has that affected who you are as a dancer? I think initially studying music, I mean, I, I... My grandma bought me a Yamaha keyboard for Christmas. Before I went to the middle school, I was just learning classical pieces by ear you know they had classical pieces embedded in the keyboard and I would just play it and kind of learn how to play it by ear Um, and so that's why sight reading was really hard for me when I started studying Um, but that education in music really helped uh, I think a lot once I started ballet actually because it it's I mean dance and music they go hand in hand and it definitely 
helped me a lot. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I feel like maybe we're veering away from more musically oriented yeah. uh, dancing. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, self, uh, what's the word? That people sometimes one sees more dancing for the self mm-hmm. lately right. that there and that we yeah, have to humble music. ourselves and realize we're, that we're there for the music and mm-hmm. for the audience yeah mm-hmm. um so and i feel like even i think having had studied music and and saw uh so many shows and and performers that i aspire to to have some of their qualities um a lot of those dancers that I would see had more of a musical way in which they in, interpreted their dance. And and I always wanted to sort of add that element to my, my own dancing because, you know, I feel like it makes you feel something even more sometimes when you see somebody so in harmony with the music and, yeah. you know, it just makes yeah. a difference. I also think that the dance disciplines you uh, experimented with earlier are so musical. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, um, an unmusical hip hop dancer would just be what? Bad. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. Yeah. So exactly. even though it might feel like night and day, you're still another element of that where you were training yourself yeah. to respond to music. Yeah, I mean, West African too, like yeah. the drums, it's like that tribal mm-hmm. under undercurrent, you know, that we even have in ballet sometimes. So with all of this research, research that you have done in your close relationship to music, do you have any aspirations for some choreography in your future? You know, to be honest, I used to create a lot of pieces more when I first started dancing. Um, and I, right now, I, I really haven't had that desire to be a choreographer. But uh, when I hear a piece of music or something that I really like a lot, I'll sometimes just sort of create phrases for myself mm-hmm. and... Um, I don't know. So maybe someday. Maybe someday, <laughs> but right now it's just mainly for fun. Right. Keep us posted. We'll do. We'll do. <laughs> um, so maybe one reason why you're not exploring choreography is because you are uh, sort of in the midst of a very exciting uh, career moment as mm-hmm. a dancer. You just got promoted. Yeah. Um, after, was it 10 years with the company? Well, I, I from the moment I came to ABT from the school... Uh, it was about 10 years. I was in the school for a year and a half. Then I went through the second company and I was in the core for six seasons. So, yeah. About so, obviously, that's, I mean, you've done a lot of rep in that time. You've worked and fought for this promotion. Um, how do you think things would have been different if, say, that had just been handed over after a few years? To be honest, uh, you know, right after I got promoted, um, a bunch of people were congratulating me and there were some people that would say, oh my gosh, this is long overdue. And and I think to myself, I'm like, you know what? But it happened in the right time for me. I right. felt like uh, I had done the work and worked my butt off really to, to get to this point. And I feel like had it happened maybe three years ago, I wouldn't have been or had all of the experiences that I've had up to this point mm-hmm. ready for for that moment to say, okay, I'm stepping into this next moment of my career, prepared and equipped and ready, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's it's a huge moment, but I'm I'm thankful that I had that sort of track record right. ahead of me. Yeah. So in the past two years, ABT has been noted for what seems to be a new policy of promoting from within and re- rewarding um, long-term veterans. Um, what does this do for morale and how do you think this um, affects the dancers of all ranks? I think it's huge for morale, mainly because um, there was a time in our company that uh, 
we would see new faces every season coming in at the principal level and doing all of these roles uh, for, you know, two or three shows out of the season and then going back and we're in the back drop sort of <laughs> supporting these people that we barely know. Mm -hmm. um, and so that sort of wave of change that has happened at ABT, seeing people that have worked really hard and are getting acknowledged for the fact that they've put in their time and they've worked really hard. Um, it gives people hope and it gives people that sense that, you know, if I work that hard, I could step up too and I could um, get those opportunities too. So I think that's really been a huge boost for the morale of the company. And um, it just, it feels good when, like, for instance, uh, this past season, there were so many injuries um, and some of the solos women had to step into principal roles with the company. And these, these women were ready to do these roles many years ago, but mm -hmm. it's just great to see that, you know, they are ready and stepping up to the plate for that and and that the company is still surviving right. and still doing well and i think that's a huge huge sign yeah and those in those uh, moments are so interesting too right because like you said the soloists then step up and then the core goes into the soloist roles. Yeah. so it really does you know trickle down effect and and affect everyone and provides those opportunities for the people that are ready for mm -hmm. them and can do them to prove know? themselves yeah, yeah absolutely right. yeah it's been so fun to see you know, a lot of those people that are long-term veterans like Sarah Lane or Stella Obrera, mm -hmm. I mean, I've watched them for 15 years, some of them, mm -hmm. and to see them finally achieve something you're always waiting and hoping for, you know, like it feels like, you know, seeing a friend make it because you've experienced so much with them yeah. as an audience member. And when you're out there on stage with those people and they're in those, you know, principal roles, you feel more invested, you feel more connected to those people and mm -hmm. you can actually make eye contact with them and know that person. And it's, I don't know, there's just something special That's about that. Difference. Yeah. I mean, uh, God, for us, you know, full lengths are not our um, background, right. but we still would do them from time to time. Sure. But uh, the difference between being a peasant in Romeo and Juliet for your best friends and some others is just night and day. Oh you my feel gosh. so invested yeah. in what you're doing, yeah. even if yeah. it's not, you know. It's like you want to support those people, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. It makes totally. a big difference. And it ma feels like more communal, mm -hmm. too, I think. Yeah. yeah. So you've already achieved so much and you've just gotten this big promotion, but how are you planning on staying motivated and where do you see yourself in the near future? Well, I, you know, I, leading up to the last couple of seasons, I usually work with a private coach in New York. Um, so that always helps me to sort of, you know, work on things that I'm preparing for, but also work on things that I aspire to do that I haven't done. Um, and so that's always sort of helped me to uh, carve out time for myself that I can, um, you know, just work privately and, and then take those things back to my work at ABT. Um, but mainly, I think having the chance on my off time to do festivals like Vail or, you know, a friend of mine, Gemma Bond, who just had her season at the Joyce Theater in New York, um, having those things to sort of keep my mind fresh on new choreographies or traveling. Um, I think that's that's always been something that's kept me kind of going and still invested in what I do. So as a freshly minted soloist with ABT, how have your goals changed? And do you feel like there's certain roles that are closer to your reach now? 
Uh, I feel like now that I have made it to the the rank of soloist, um, it's definitely opened my eyes to the possibilities of of even the principal level work that I I aspire to do with the company. Um, I know that I've been doing a lot of soloist work uh, for a couple of years now, so that repertory won't change much. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty sure I'll still be doing all of those roles that I've been doing, uh, but there are some roles in the classical rep that that. You know, I'm. I sort of aspire to to do one day. Give us one. Yeah. <laughs> tell us. Tell us. Don't hide. Um, I I've always. I mean, I think I probably know the choreography for Romeo by now because Seen I've it. played every other role in the marketplace sure. for the last six years, <laughs> and even before joining the company, I went to see ABT perform. So I definitely wanna wanna have my eyes set on on dancing Romeo one day with the company. That would be great. Yeah. We'll look out for it. <laughs> <laughs> and to continue to um, work with any of the new choreographers that come in and create on, on the company. Um, Cause I feel like that's, that always sort of triggers the brain in a new way uh, when you've been so used to working in the same ballets for, you know, year after year, mm-hmm. it's nice to have that change. Yeah. So that's actually uh, an easy segue to talking about the Vail Dance Festival because you're, participation here involves you performing a lot of repertoire that you might not get the opportunity to dance so um what are some of those ballets and what is that experience like well this is uh this is my third year coming out to Vail, and it's it's really hard to dance here because of the altitude but Mm -hmm. it's really great to dance here because of all of the opportunities to to do those like you said parts or roles that i normally wouldn't do at abt um, my first year, I was in a new creation by Pam Tanowitz, which was really totally the opposite of anything that I ever done. Um, which was cool for me because you know that's sort of what I I love about new creations is you get thrown sort of to the wolves and have to kind of figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, my second year, I danced uh, Balanchine Stars and Stripes, which was so hard (laughs) um but and i would love to dance that ballet at at sea level um (laughs) one day um and i got a chance to dance with uh, unity phelan from new york city ballet and that was the first time uh in a while that i sort of had that crossover with city ballet because we're in the same city but are two separate entities sometimes um so coming to Vail this summer i got to dance with Unity again and Balanchine's Agon Pas de Deux. And it was beautiful. We thank loved you. it. It was so good. You guys were yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, Bitter Earth with Isabella, uh, oh, piece by God. Christopher Wielden. Also great. And then and a new piece again by Pam Tanowitz. So it's, it's rep that I normally never get to do at ABT. And, um, you know, getting the coaching on these roles that I you know, are new to me. It's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I've learned so much. Do you think that that still informs your dancing at ABT, even though you're not dancing that particular rep? Does that affect the way you um, make choices uh, in the rep you do? I think it definitely does. I mean, I, everything that I've learned in these roles, I can totally take back in terms of musicality or approach to a certain phrase of movement. Mm -hmm. Um, It all sort of, lends itself hand in hand yeah what is so special about this festival what do you feel like makes you want to keep coming back each year well one 
the environment we're in. Yeah. You know, as soon as I drove up into the mountains, it's like all the stress and high energy and sort of that anxious feeling that you have when you're living in New York City just sort of melts away. Yeah. So that in itself opens me up um, to what the possibilities could be here. Mm -hmm. And, and two, it's, Before coming to the festival, uh, the last two years, I've had a chance to work with Heather Watts and Damien in the city uh, on the roles that I'll be doing when I come here. So having that time to sort of prepare things, um, it feels like it's not just coming to do a gala and getting your check and leaving. It's about sort of that whole experience of, um, you know, learning from these people who have done these roles and uh, their experience and knowledge that they they give to us and um it's like you know i was having a conversation with heather last night and she was saying i'm learning so much from this experience and and that's 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 what makes it special is the fact that it's a collaboration we're always learning we're always working with people that we may not get a chance to and it's it's just a special place here Last night we were at a dinner for all the dancers and the crew and Heather Watson and Damien Wetzel, the artistic director of the festival, were there and they gave a toast that was just so heartfelt and it just feels, you know, they were getting up and walking around and saying hi to everyone and giving everybody kisses on the cheek and Heather was kissing people on the head. It's like they just care so much. It feels like a family to them here and I think that's so cool because maybe in you know, pick up festivals kind of like this where people are coming from all these different places. It doesn't have that feel normally. So I can tell that that, and that comes across on stage too, Mm -hmm. that everybody, I mean, last night, for example, um, we were watching, uh, the second half of the show Mm -hmm. and we were watching the Tchaikovsky Potida and there's a monitor backstage. Literally. It's like people that are watching a football game. Uh (laughs) Everybody was screaming and cheering. It was just like, (laughs) you could feel that sense of support and community. And I, you know, most gigs are not always like that. Right, and right. so it just, it really feels, like you said, it feels like a community and mm-hmm. and that they we really care. People really care about what's happening on stage. That's great. So what do you think is most valuable about this experience outside of ABT? And why do you feel it's important for you to explore these different outside opportunities? I think... Um, Things like Vail are really important. The Vail Dance Festival are really important for, um, I would say, just continued artistic development and growth. Um, Getting to do things that you normally wouldn't do, that's, in a sense, already pushing you outside of your comfort zone. And uh, for me, at least, it's... I've learned so much in these last three summers coming here. And, you know, I change when I go back. I feel like, you know, I have a new freedom or... I can express myself in a different way that I may not have before. Uh, and so I think that's, that's huge. Makes a big difference. So before we wrap up, we have one last little section we call our lightning round. So we're just going to ask you one question and you just give the first thing that comes to your mind. Oh God. Okay. Cool. Okay. Let's do it. Um, what is your favorite ballet to dance? My favorite ballet to dance would probably be, uh, gosh, Piano Concerto Number One by Alexei Ratmansky. Oh, nice. Um, what's your dream role? Romeo. <laughs> yeah, we already answered. <laughs> um, thing you will miss most about being in the corps de ballet. Thing that I'll miss most about being in the corps de ballet is all of the joking around that we did during <laughs> Mazurka and Polonaise and those big <laughs> classical ballets. Oh, totally. <laughs> uh, what's the thing you will miss the least? Wearing those heavy 
<laughs> quarter ballet costumes. Oh. We used to call the ones in Romeo and Juliet <gasps> the potato sacks. We oh used to call gosh. Sleeping Beauty, you know. We've worn those ABT ones. Beautiful and they designs. Are, oh my gosh. But after you're standing around in character heels and boots for then you're 30 minutes. people's dresses. It's tough. Uh, it's tough. It is tough. <laughs> but you're right. The joking helps. <laughs> um, favorite onstage memory? Favorite onstage memory? Uh, I would probably have to say um, this past season uh, when I danced uh, Von Rothbart at the Met for the first time. Fun. Uh, it was just, I felt like I transformed and I sort of... I became a different person that most people watching the show, they don't see me as an evil person in real life, but <laughs> it was really cool to have sort of lost myself on stage. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Calvin, so much for taking the time out of your very busy day. Yes. We appreciate thank you. it. Thanks Happy for having us. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you for joining us this week. If you are new to our podcast, we invite you to check out some of our other interviews with the ballet world's best and brightest. If you like the pod, or even if you don't, we would truly appreciate it if you could take a second to review us on iTunes and let us know what you think. Thank you again for listening and supporting Conversations on Dance. We will see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 